At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding to finance, set up to staffing, our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ian Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. I'm here with Jillian Music, my partner at Outlines and co-founder of both Moz and Brent Proved. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hi, Jillian. How are you today? I'm doing well, Ann. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. But something's been on my mind. A couple of weeks ago, you said something really intriguing, and I would like to uh, see if I could get you to talk more about it today. You said, write the story of your exit now and play it out expeditiously. Now, that's a big sentence for a startup founder. (laughs) I did say that indeed, Anne. Um, Absolutely. We were talking at the time about raising capital and equity funding in particular. In other words, taking, you know, selling stock in your company, right? So equity-based funding, if you can find it, and that's a big if for everyone and even more so as we know for women, but that's another story, right, is not only the most expensive capital a startup will ever raise, it comes with a requirement that you sell your company within a reasonable amount of time or go public. And that's how you return capital to your investors. As soon as you sign on the dotted line, you have agreed to sell your company. Exactly. That's why we've been talking on this show about alternative sources to get startups launched and growing. Jillian, we do this all the time. Um, Yep. Because why would you want to agree to sell your company when you're just starting? But in fact, you need to. So you talk about selecting your capitalization method wisely um, and setting a plan in motion to exit on terms that don't blindside you. You say you'll be moving forward with your eyes open. Yeah. Well, I think think that we can all agree that building a company with your eyes closed is not recommended, you know, not like, you know, look, ma, no hands or whatever. Yeah. Right. right. So let's take a look at the paths that are open to us as a startup entrepreneur, purely from the business formation to the sale of the business standpoint. Right. Let's not talk about, you know, 
for example, my mother would have said, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. In other words, there are thousands of industries that you can engage in, hundreds of countries in which you can incorporate and uh, operate in, dozens or more ways to raise capital, and that depends on whether your company is designed to be scalable or lifestyle. Right? And we're not even going to discuss which industry or country or whatever you've decided to operate in. Right? Since this is going to fit all of our listeners pretty much, we're going to take a look at those options around scalable tech companies. Let's just look at that. So your first decision has to concern the size of the company you're about to create. We've already determined it's going to be scalable and you are going to take cash and you're going to have to return you know, money to your investors. So with that in mind, consider whether you could see yourself exiting a company with a sale of, say, a million bucks. How about 10 million? How about 100 million? Could you build a $100 million company? How many people really do? How crowded is your business? Right? How crowded is your field? Can you really be that $100 million company? How about 200? 200 or 250 is an order of magnitude more complex than building that $100 million company. Breaking through to 500 million, do that again. And that billion dollar company or more, by their very definition, they are unicorns. Right? So this hubris, which kind of engulfs so many entrepreneurs at the very earliest stage, I don't want to say don't think big, I don't want to say don't go for it, but at least have a decent look at the playing field. It will give you so much wisdom about where you're headed and how you can move through this without feeling like you're constantly, if you will, failing your own mark. If you set out for only a billion dollar company and you sell even at a hundred million, you're not going to feel like you've made that mark. And not feeling that way the whole way through, feeling is an important part of this, I have to say, right? It gives you your mindset and, and where your head sits and, and how you express yourself to everybody else and what you can really accomplish in your business, right? You're, you're leaving money on the table if all you look at is the billion dollar opportunity because you'll take what could have been a $250 million company and you'll make it only $100 million because you weren't focused on what was possible. So with all of that, right, I want to say that this kind of viewpoint afflicts so many of us at the early stage. So this is worth underscoring. So I'm going to make a note and aside to our dear listeners out there. Do not gloss over this question. It is neither specious nor ludicrous. Too many entrepreneurs enter the marketplace with outrageous ideas about what they're capable of building without giving thought to who and what is required to reach those goals. So recently, Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank fame noted that all, not most, not some, but all of his profits have come from women-owned or women-operated companies. This is not an isolated case. Women repeatedly perform at higher levels with less capital and return greater profits to their investors. Therefore, gentlemen, have I got your attention now? Note that hubris in business around the issue of what you can accomplish afflicts you more often than it afflicts your female counterparts. Consider yourself warned. I would agree. It's not that we're saying that men aren't doing a good job. What we're saying is that this piece, this, uh, you know, one of the hurdles, if you will, of business has to do with something internal, and that is this hubris. So the question is, of course, 
what should all entrepreneurs do about this hubris affliction at the start of their business operations. And I would say that the first medicine is to really build a reasonable business plan, not the 27, 50, 100 page business plans we used to think about and so on. No, no, just put a strong focus on this marketing issue. What's the cost of acquisition per customer? What's the value per sale? What's the lifetime value of each customer? Create the personas of those customers. Highly successful companies know their customers extremely well, and you don't know, Jack, you know what, about your customer. <laughs> it's true, Anne. You don't yeah. know anything about them, right? You start out, and you think you know who you're going to sell it to, and it's just wonderful, and every darn time, they surprise the heck out of you, right? In our world of search, we used to do keyword research, right? And we were always absolutely floored at the thousand and one ways people could look for red Toyotas. It's like, really? They typed in that? (laughs) Yeah. But there they are. You don't know anything about your customers until you begin to know. So you'd better start knowing them as early as humanly possible, right? It's the only way you're going to get a handle on what will it really cost. And once you have a real and honest handle on the cost of getting new business, keeping the business, serving your business, and so on, you're going to have a much better handle on the amount of capital that it's going to take you to get over the hump to that promised land of not only really profitability, but of your goals. And you're going to set some pretty realistic goals. Again, it doesn't mean you don't shoot for the billion-dollar company. It means that you'd better be shooting for the 51st, and then the 100, and then the 250, and then the five, and so on and so forth. That thing will not take off on its own. Those hockey sticks don't go from zero to a billion. They go from 500 million to a billion. How did they get to the 500 million? Have you thought about it? So we're going to you know, take a look at these things a little more deeply. But I want to say who you choose to take money from is kind of that first decision once you've decided to take money. So number one, do I take money? Number two, who do I take money from? And that's an important element too. If you're going to go out for smaller amounts of capital and then go out for the large amounts and so on and so forth, again, this is kind of the platitudes, the the flat book that's written, everybody kind of buys into it. I'm saying don't necessarily buy into that. The biggest companies on the planet have often been invested in by venture capitalists before anybody else put in a dime. Think about that. If you're going through the standard process, chances are you're going to build a company somewhere between 50 and 500 million. And if that's the case, you have to be straightforward with your investors about a timeline and make sure that you can hit that timeline. So the who you take money from is about, you know, the friends and family, and then we go to angels, and then we go to the micro VCs, and then we go to the serious VCs, you know, for the series B and C and so on. Or maybe you go directly to the guys with very deep pockets, and maybe they will fund your idea or put your head on straight and say, no, ideas are not getting funded. We really do come in much, much later in the game. And if you can't get there on your own, in which you have your first 500,000 customers and so on, we're not going to take a look at this. So we that, need, I think we, we got to yeah, take a break, don't we? We have to take a break for our sponsors, speaking of revenue and money and those kinds of things. Um, and so we're going to take a break now and then come back and talk in more detail about how to write your exit story and when to write it and 
with what tools. So this is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, so social the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your facebook contest and sweepstakes create a fun easy to win contest by writing a simple facebook post watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction track your traffic and generate email lists with ease so social is mobile friendly and complies with facebook terms of service let so social give your facebook page some flash today zoom over to zosocial.com Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because this community needs them. Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org and I are talking today about to writing your own story. We're back you with Julia Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. When do you exit your company? How do you know? Uh, how do you? When is it time to uh, take money off the table? And that mm-hmm. actually, can I start just by trying to hone in on a definition of? what it means to take money off the table. If you have investors, you have agreed to uh, that at some point they're going to have a piece of your company. When you want to take, and you all believe that it's going to be worth 10x, 20x, you know, something magical, right? To get up to those kind of big numbers that you were talking about uh, before the break. So the question is, uh, when you choose to take some of your investment off the table before it has a chance to bloom into those larger um, investments, is that what we're talking about here? Yes, absolutely. Um, as you're, we were saying, is write your own exit story. So who you take capital from, how much you take capital you know, of, of that capital and so on, will in, be an indicator of what your exit story is going to look like and what you have to do to get there. It will uh, speak to you about how many people you're going to have to hire and what kind of skill sets are going to have to be in place and how seasoned those people are going to be and all of that stuff. But now let's assume you've done a lot of this already. You've built the core team. You've put together the minimum viable product. You've tested it in the market. You're beginning to get serious traction, not just a little traction, but serious traction. And now it's time to take a look at where your company sits today and all the indicators on the whiteboards and on the reports and at the board meeting are looking pretty darn good. And you're going to raise your Series B or C, whatever it is. You're going to take a nice infusion of capital. 
The question is, did you even think to take money off the table now? Which means, did you even think that this might be a good time to sell some of your stock to? Often, that's the time to do it. Right? It's when you get to a, a, a larger venture capital round, they're going to infuse capital into the company, and you want to take a little bit too. Let's say you're taking a $20 million investment now. This isn't a monster. We're not talking hundreds of millions, right? You take a $20 million investment and everything is looking so bloody rosy that somebody's about to give you 20 million bucks. So you can go and scale it again. That's pretty cool. And your mindset is, this thing is going to be worth 10 times in three years, maybe two years. Oh boy, maybe a hundred times because they believe in me too. And you've got your head in that space where you are proving that this company is going to be worth that much more, right? You've been spending months doing that. And finally, it comes to fruition. And as you negotiate the deal of the terms, the valuation of your company and how much they're putting in, therefore how much percentage they own and the board seats, the one thing almost every entrepreneur doesn't even not forget, they don't even want to do it, let alone they forget to do it, is to take some cap cash for themselves. Again and again and again, I hear from these entrepreneurs that they are quite sure that it will be worth so much more that they're willing not to take cash now. And here's my biggest counsel, anybody and everybody who's listening, take the cash now. Yeah, what we say, take the money and run. Um, yeah, right. one of my Don't favorite run, friends. you're going to run the company. Take the money, but run the company. Right? Yeah. Here's the deal. The, the people that you live with, right? Your loved ones, your close ones, the family, the this, the that, the next thing. They have put up with you for years. You've eaten ramen noodles, but so have they. Right? It's time. Let everybody else breathe a little bit, even if your head is not in that space. This is when that hubris really happens. Right? People look at this and they feel like, I don't need to take this cash yet. I will say that I was in the same headspace when I left Mars. I know dozens of other entrepreneurs who have left their company, right? They were co-founders. They left the company, the other co-founders still running it, and still they have not sold any stock. The time to take it is when you're renegotiating that larger round and you say, okay, and I'd like one or two mil for me or four or five mil for me. Whatever the company will let you take, whatever the venture capital will let you take, right? Then you say, yeah, I'll take that piece. And you stick that stuff in the bank for the next time round. It doesn't mean that your heart's not in your business anymore. And of course, the VC wants all the investment to go into the business. It's now up to you to explain, if you will, or to you know reveal to them also that in order for your head to be fully in this game to continue and to build to the next level, which is going to be very challenging again, as it was in the beginning, right? Every level has its own challenges. You need to breathe out a little bit. It's time for you to take a little cash. Generally, the VCs don't have a problem with that. It's not that they want you to take lots and they do want almost all their capital to go to building the company rather than to putting in your bank. I get that. But within reason, if you have the right investor, you're going to get some kind of cash off the table. Now's the time to do it. And uh, to be clear, are you suggesting that you that the entrepreneur does not necessarily leave the company? Not necessarily, no. Yeah. In that case, uh, you know, a single entrepreneur, you know, continues to run the company and that's fine. Or maybe it's one of the two co-founders and so on, right? But I even find co-founders leaving is what I'm saying. 
right? They will leave the company at the time of a big investment and so on, and still they are not selling some of the stock. Ah, gotcha. Insanity. Okay. Right. So, so, who, so when who, you look at that, that is the moment, that's your signal that says, think about this, take some cash now. So, from whom? A couple of ways to do it. One, let's say again, the venture capital company is going to put 20 or 50 million into your company. Now's the time to take a few off the table. If you're getting a $20 million investment, maybe you can take two. If you're taking a $50 investment, maybe you could take five, right? You're asking for about 10%. If you have to negotiate it one way or another, okay, that's fine. The point is you just want to sell a little bit of your stock. Essentially, the venture capitalist is buying stock in your company, right? But they're buying, if you will, that new stock in your company and putting the money into the company. In this case, you say, yeah, but I want to sell you a little bit of mine too. So you sell a little bit of your stock and away it goes. Or you can uh, structure it so that there is investment into the company and you have permission that the company buys back a little of your stock. It depends on how the pots move around. You can negotiate all the details. But the, the killer piece is your moment, your aha moment is, I'm about to raise a big chunk of cash. I'm going to take a little bit myself. The second aha moment is you are a co-founder and you're actually exiting the company. The other guy is going to keep running it. That's fine. All right. Do not leave the company without taking a bit of stock out of your pile and so on and say, okay, I want to cash out some of this if I'm leaving. I want to go do something else. I want to retire. I want to this. I want to take a break. Whatever the hell you want to do. doesn't matter. The whys are up to you. The what's are take your stock and sell some of it. You don't have to sell all of it. You know your partners are going to do a brilliant job, right? But you've got to sell a little piece and breathe. So the most, how should I say, of all the counsel I've ever given, this was the most impactful, I think, to people. Um, and I've heard it from a few just recently. And, of course, we heard it from one who didn't do it. Right, uh, Rand Fishkin of Moz exited Moz just recently, and there are articles right out there now. You can go and check them online. And of course, his book is coming back, Lost and Founder, about that monstrous regret. It wasn't, you know, he did well. It's not that this was a failure in any way, but he didn't take money off the table. Don't go ye and do likewise. <laughs> and he tells me, by the way, that as he goes and counsels others, their head is in the same place that his is. And they're not listening to him. And they're not taking the stock off the table. All I can do is exhort everybody who's listening, do not think you are that exception. You are one of those who are not listening. So I think what you run up against in that is that that's that gambler. It's the gamble. If I yes. take it, it could be worth 10x in two years, um, mm -hmm. or it could not. And you're saying don't gamble everything. Correct. I'm saying don't gamble everything. And I have to say that my own head was in the same space. Even as I stepped out of Moz and you and I formed Outlines Venture Group, Pat, even as that happened, I was in the same space. No, 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 no. I'm not selling my stock now. Oh, no, no, no. Right. And finally, it was colleagues of mine who pushed me over the edge and said, look, what the heck difference does it make if it's worth 5 million or 10 million or even 15 million more in a few years from now? It won't make a hill of beans to you, 
what was it? Forrest Gump's mama said, right? Mama says you only need so much. The rest is just for show. Right? Thank you, yep. Forrest Gump. Right? It, it, it's true. It's absolutely true. Take a little bit now and invest it in other things. If you had a portfolio of capital, you certainly wouldn't invest it all in one stock. But that's what you're doing. As an entrepreneur, as a co-founder, as perhaps a key employee, a senior, you know, folk who have some stock in there and so on, diversify. Sell some of it, invest it somewhere else, do something else with it, whether it's building a new company, a real estate, uh, whatever the hell you want to invest it in, right? Diversify your portfolio. Now is your chance. Right? And the rest of it will come and it will be worth a fortune, but you'll have had the other stuff earlier. It's not that you're hedging against the fact that it won't make it at all, right? It, often it makes it just fine. The question is really, did you take a little bit now, breathe out, and make whole all of those people who supported you, well, you know, through the ramen noodle years, right? And did you diversify so that you can look at things from a more holistic point of view? When you're inside your own company, you know, the whole world is your company. As yep. soon as you take cash off that table and put it somewhere else, now it is one piece of your portfolio. Oh, the perspective that brings. Yep. And every successful investor um, in the known universe will tell you that diversification is the, uh, is the key to their success. So we need to take a break now for our sponsors. And when we come back, um, Jillian, I mean, usually we wind up with some top tips, but I'm thinking what me might be more useful is a recap of what you're really trying to exhort our listeners to understand with this fairly radical concept of writing your exit story now. <laughs> so this is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
CEO Coach. We've been talking today about writing your own exit story from your startup. So, Julian, give us the highlights again. You mentioned a couple of points of how to know when it's a good time to do this, to take money off the table. Uh, what else? Um, so I, I think as we kind of recap, I would say the first thing is um, that hubris makes us think that our companies will be larger than they can reasonably become. And that hubris follows us as entrepreneurs throughout our entire journey, uh, you know, entrepreneurial journey. Um, it makes you think the company can be bigger, that it is on the trajectory to turn it around, to get larger, to get over whatever hurdle and so on and so forth. Uh, some of that is important and, uh, how should I say, keeps us alive intellectually and emotionally and so on as we move forward. And sometimes it, it turns out to be true, if you will. Nevertheless, it was still hubris to think so before you see it. So I would say beware of that. Beware of the over-optimizing of what's possible. The, you know, the perennial optimist, that's the entrepreneur. Be careful of that. The second thing is to mindfully consider how big you want to get your company at the next level and then take some money off the table. In other words, I'm going to make this a $50 million company and I'm going to put 5 million bucks in my pocket. Now, if you sell it and you own half of it, you'll get 25 million. If you sell it and you own all of it, you'll get a hot, you know, 50 million. That's fine. That's not the point. You don't have to sell it to do that. You have to say at that next level, I'm going to want to sell some stock. How will I do it? To whom will I sell it? Am I going to be raising capital again? Look for those points of, not inflection really, but they're the highlight points that say, oh, that's my signal. I can take some cash now. Now, you can also do it just with a salary. You can command a significant salary. So instead of saying, oh, I'll just, you know, take 100 or 150 or whatever it is, and that's fine. And, you know, my salespeople are making more now and my CFO is making more than I am. But no, 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 I'm, I'm fine on it. No, you could take 250, 300, 500, whatever. It's another way to take cash off the table. A salary is an expensive way to do it. You end up paying an awful lot of taxes and so on when you do that. Nevertheless, if you do that, you suck away most of it and go live on your 80,000 a year. I don't care. The point is that you will have sucked away some on the side. The object, I think, that third piece that we looked at today was an understanding that your company is only a piece of your financial portfolio. And it's hard to think of it that way because it's so all-consuming from the moment of inception to well beyond exit. It occupies your entire head and your life. Otherwise, it wouldn't survive and it wouldn't thrive and it would not be as successful as you're making it today. But if you look at it and the whole playing field around it and you realize this is only a piece of my financial portfolio with respect to finances, you'll realize that it's important to take some money out of this one and invest it elsewhere. So the biggest directive that I can give you now, I know your prime directive is to return capital to your investors. Well, you are one of those investors. You're probably the primary investor because you have more stock probably than anybody else. Even if your company's gotten to the point where you have less stock than other investors do, you got a big chunk. Now is the time to make sure that your portfolio is balanced. Build value for your own portfolio too. 
Yeah, as they uh, say in the investment world, rebalance your portfolio. Yes, absolutely. So I think those are the the big takeaways. So many uh, entrepreneurs don't take cash when they could. And when can you take cash? Again, when you're refining the company or you're, you're putting fresh capital into it. There are places online where if your company is large enough that you have a secondary market for it already. Right? These places where you can resell stock so, uh, and then private stock. So take a look. Has your company reached that? Go reach out to those companies. Has there been any request for it? Are people asking for your stock? If there's a market for it, you have a space for it. Reach out to private venture capitalists. How about the ones who didn't fund you in your tiny little pre-series A size and so on, but somebody else took a chance on you, and now you're doing pretty darn well. That first VC company or 10 of them who said no, they might be interested in coming back and picking up a piece. So before we, very interesting and certainly a a meaty topic that would escape the uh, uh, radar of a lot of startup entrepreneurs who, as you say, are fairly buried down in their companies. But before we go, and it is nearly time for this segment to end, this uh, podcast, um, let's give Rand one more shout out for his book. When is it due out? So I believe it comes out uh, this May. So you can find that at Amazon.com and other places. Uh, uh, Just look around for uh, Lost and Founder. Uh, Rand has launched a new company. It's called Spark Toro, S-P-A-R-K-T-O-R-O. Everybody's pretty eager to see what he will build next. Moz goes on. Uh, It is Sarah Bird's job and the team over there to make me a billionaire and now to make (laughs) Rand and me a billionaire before I am 90. And I'm just saying the operative word is before. So they are busy doing their thing. And uh, I think that reading Rand's uh, kind of uh, bears all, you know, book about lost and founder, it comes with a byline. It says, a painfully honest field guide to the startup world. These are all the things he learned along the way, and many of them are things people don't talk about. So I think it would be very valuable. Uh, Folks should go out and take a look for that. Yeah, I can't wait to get my signed copy. (laughs) I've already pre-ordered mine, of course, on the day that he announced, because, you know, that's what moms do. But um, absolutely, I'm looking forward to reading it, too. I have not queried him deeply about what's uh, involved there. I have some ideas, of course, but um, it will be interesting for me to read as well, because every founder's experience is different, even when it's two founders. Even when it's your co-founder, right. That is correct. That's it for this week at CEO Coach. Uh, We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach and also at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on our Facebook page, which is CEO Coach Podcast, and stop by and hit the like button so we will know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next week.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.